This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show where we dive into the complexities of love, dating, and building healthy relationships. I'm your host, Laura Bellata, founder of singleinthecity.ca, joined tonight by philanthropist and media personality, the beautiful, lovely Joan Kelly Walker. Hey, Laura. Hi. 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 Now, how can we focus on creating healthy relationships and leaving negative patterns behind? Well, for today's episode, we have two special guests who are fellow experts in the field of dating and relationships. Please welcome Sherry Gaba and Carla Romo, hosts of the Love Fix podcast. Sherry is a renowned expert known for her appearances on VH1's Celebrity Rehab and her best-selling book, Love Smacked. Uh, Carla is a renowned dating and relationship coach and the author of Contagious Love, How to Stop the Cycle of Relationship Addiction and Codependency, Define Everlasting Love. And today we're going to be delving into some important topics around codependency and toxic relationships and the things that you need to know to form healthier, successful relationships. Guys, get ready for an insightful discussion. Let's dive right in. (laughs) So welcome, ladies, to the show. Hey, thanks for having us on. We're excited. Yay. Hi, hi, hi. Hi. Okay, let's start by chatting about codependency because codependency refers to a dysfunctional pattern of behavior in relationships where one person excessively relies on another for their self-worth and identity. Now, what are some of the signs of codependency in a relationship? Oh, this is yeah, fun. Let's start with that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Sherry and I are both uh, recovering codependents. So we got, you know, this is also coming from our own stuff back in the day. Uh, people pleasing is a big one. Lack of boundaries, really low self-esteem, not loving yourself, really wanting to fix people, you know, uh, painting those red flags green in relationships or dating. Uh, Sherry, you want to jump in here? Yeah. Needing validation. You know, often codependents come from a history of not getting their needs met growing up. So what happens is they feel almost like they're nothing, like they're invisible. And so their whole whole purpose in life is to feel needed. So they are very vulnerable to toxic relationships, to narcissists, to addicts, because those are the perfect people that are going to find the codependent to take care of them. So how do you recognize if you are codependent? Like, is it easy to see when you're in, when you're in the middle of it, or is it something that just kind of happens and then you get this light bulb moment and you're like, oh, I guess that's me. How does that part happen? It's different for everybody, but I think the light bulb moment is pretty telling. Uh, Codependency a lot of times is rooted actually in childhood. So it's childhood trauma, childhood family dysfunction, all that dysfunctional good stuff uh, from your family origins. And as a result, you might not know the difference. You might actually think that this is normal behavior, that you're really like looking for somebody to fix so that then you are lovable, you are enough. And so a lot of times it then is mirrored in your intimate relationships. And it's when you're like, wait a minute, why am I in these unhealthy relationships? You know, I always say it's a a different face, same guy. Right. And, and it's like, why does this just keep happening over and over and over again until all of a sudden you're like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'm the common denominator. And that's kind of that like light bulb moment of like, huh, something might, something a little bit deeper might be going on. Like, like Mm -hmm. somehow you think as the codependent, you have the power to change someone. And of course we know that you can't change anybody. Only someone can change themselves if they want to. But you find yourself in these roles of caretaker. Like, oh, you know, 
he's he's I love it the potential there's so much potential here well you don't fall in love with potential you want to fall in love with the person so it's usually marked by um a loss of yourself you know you, you kind of turn yourself into a pretzel to be with that person like they want certain things out of you and so you're going to make yourself be that person so they don't leave you because if they leave you that is your biggest fear of all being left alone being you know feeling empty feeling like I mean, their whole value is the relationship, not the value of themselves as a person. And how does codependency impact the ability to establish healthy boundaries in a relationship? Because when I think of, like you you said it, difficulty saying no, right? Um, I want to talk about that further, but let's, let's talk about first, like, you know, how does it impact the ability to establish healthy boundaries? Well, if you're really worried that someone's going to leave you or if you're going to get them upset or they're not going to need you anymore, then you're not going to say no. You're just going to keep saying yes when you mean no. And so what happens is you become very resentful, like, oh, my God, I keep saying yes. I really mean to say no. Resentment is a huge hallmark of codependency. Um, what's yeah. that saying, Carla? You know, resentment is sort of expectations. Expectations. Waiting to expectations are resentments waiting to happen. Yes. yes. Right. Exactly. So Why you find is it? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I continue. No, no you, you just find. Yeah, I, I just want to know, like, and angry because I used to have an issue saying no, and now I don't. I'm just People like, pleasing. Okay, yeah, if I don't want to do something, my time's valuable. Like, I'm not going to do it. Um, so what can we say about saying no, right, to the people that may be listening to this podcast? Why is it so important to set your boundaries and to say no when something doesn't align with your goals, your values, whatever it is? One of my favorite sayings is no is a complete sentence. And that is just the truth. Like you don't have to give an explanation to anyone. Codependents love to give explanations because they feel guilty. They feel mm -hmm. bad. They're only trying to convince themselves. So if you feel like you have to give an explanation to somebody, what are you hiding from? Like, what is it within yourself that you're not addressing? That's a great reflection. If you're like, why do I feel guilty saying no? Like, why don't I want to? What then that's time to kind of take a step back and say, like, what is going on with me that I am, you know, resisting saying no, that I'm well, wanting if, to take on this? But what if you just don't want to hurt somebody's feelings? Well, I, that, I'm thinking just in general, we're talking about it's 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 a me job. But also when you pick toxic people, they're master manipulators. So they're going to make you feel bad if you say no. They're, they, mm -hmm. they're, they know how to manipulate you. They know how to get what they want. That is what, th that's what they're groomed to do. So you have to be really on the lookout for the narcissist and the toxic person. And uh, you're going to have trouble saying no to them because they know how to get you to say yes. So, you know, I'm just thinking like the world operates in shades of gray. It's, it's really hard to get things that are extreme and, and really obvious sometimes. So I'm not justifying anyone who, you know, who wants to say no and doesn't say no, but it's kind of confusing. Like in relationships, let's face it, a lot of times you have to be accommodating. So I think that's the gray area. Like, how do you know, okay, I'm, I'm just being accommodating or I'm getting walked all over where I really meant to say no, but I didn't. I didn't have the guts to do it. That's the part I think that's really difficult. Okay. So what are your motives? 
that's what I always go back to. What are your motives for saying yes? Is it because you're trying to be accommodating with your partner and it's like a give and take? Brene Brown always talks about this. I love Brene Brown, but she talks about relationships are not 50-50. So sometimes it's 80-20 and you have to you know, accommodate and you have to kind of pick up the slack for your partner. So if you're looking at it from a partnership and a healthy standpoint of like, we're a team, how do we keep this machine running? How do we keep going? How do I support my partner? I know they really want me to be here for them. That's different than the motive of, I need to say yes to them because I don't want to upset them and I need to be okay in the end. That's codependency. It's so manipulative. It's let me say yes to them because I want them to be okay. And if they're okay, then therefore I'm okay. So it's all mood dependent upon everybody else. You got it. You have to be uncomfortable. Saying no is uncomfortable. We think that we're supposed to be comfortable. Take a kid to a candy store. You have to say no or they're going to get cavities. So you got to be able to, to be, okay, this may not feel comfortable, but it's what I need to do. I have a question for you ladies quickly before break, uh, because there's so much controversy over this, but do you think that relationships should be 50-50? Because <laughs> some, some ladies are like, no, they should be 80-20, so 80 in my favor, you know? It's just, it's not realistic to have 50-50. It's about equity and not equality. And if you can bring equity into the relationship, then you have a really strong foundation. I think if you look at equality, it's like both people aren't coming from the same place. The, you guys might not get be, being paid the same. You might not have the same work hours. Um, if you are, you know, carrying a child around for a couple months before you give birth, like, you know, it's it's really about creating an equitable relationship. That's the way I view it. Yeah. What are you bringing to the relationship? You know, where is the give and take? Is there reciprocation? I think those things are more important than maybe 50-50. Perfect. 70-30 for me. Okay, we need to take I think a it's break. a fluctuating <laughs> scale. Yeah, it's fluid. It's very for fluid. sure. Like yeah. I said, 70-30 for me. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we're going to dive into what you need to know about toxic relationships. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night. You're listening to AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, joined by Sherry Gaba, Carla Romo, and my special in-house uh, co-host tonight is the lovely Joan Kelly Walker. Um, and in this segment, we're going to delve deeper into toxic relationships. Uh, we're going to discuss red flags to watch out for and how to heal from their effects. So before the break, we were talking about codependency and uh, very juicy conversation. Thank you, ladies. But I'm wondering, can codependency be overcome? And if so, what are some of the strategies for breaking free from those codependent patterns? I mean, yes, I would say 100% you can break free from codependency. Uh, Sherry and I have both done it. We are, you know, walking <laughs> humans on this earth, living proof. Uh, but I will say it's a journey and there's no fixing it. And this is something that I think Sherry, Sherry, we agree on this, right? That it's like a journey, like you're yes, always working yes. on it. Yeah, exactly. I, and you can also have a relapse, just like addicts and alcoholics have relapses. You know, I've, I've been on this great recovery journey and then suddenly, you know, I'm with some guy that I shouldn't be with. And now I've, I've taken 25 steps backwards. And it's like, okay, I just got to get back on that horse again. It happens, you know, it's a it's a muscle you have to continually exercise codependency is something you have to continually, continually work at. Yeah. And when 
And when you're looking at like breaking free from it, like, what does it look like? I mean, it looks like creating a relationship with yourself because you're trying so much to create relationships with other people because you lack that, you know, self-esteem, the security, the confidence, the self-love, the worth inside. So it's creating a lifestyle, which is what Sherry and I are very adamant about in regards to our clients, helping them work through those things in our own personal lives of, you know, having a life, getting a life of your own, doing hobbies, interests, taking care of yourself, surrounding yourself around friends, doing things that you want to do for yourself. Yes. And and, yeah. And if there's a history of trauma, get therapy, you know, work. I'm a therapist, work with somebody that you can, uh, you know, start to unearth. Why do I keep picking these kind of relationships? Why do I keep saying, you know, yes, when I mean, no, there are reasons that people become codependent or become love addicts for that matter. And like anything else, educate yourself too. Educate yourself about codependency and the impact that it may have on relationships. And this this way, you can recognize those unhealthy patterns, right? Um, and break free from them. So and and yeah. find a tribe, find people that you know a community. You know, Carla and I have a community. Uh, you can find at thelovefix.com. It's all about not feeling alone in this journey. You know, it's yes. so lonely when you're going through something like this. I mean, those are the things that have helped me the most in my journey, even more than therapy, even though I'm a therapist is having other people. I know it sounds crazy. I say this, but I say the same thing. I'm like, I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach, but I'm like having community. That is having a game changer. Get on our mailing list at thelovefix.com and find out about our community. You know what, ladies, I love community. Uh, And especially nowadays, it's all about community. I'm building a community for my uh, company as well. Like I just, and I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, (laughs) but I feel like people nowadays really need the support. So community important. Thank you for that. And, you know, it's occurring to me as we're speaking, the way that some people find it so difficult to practice self-love. It's such a challenge because we don't tend as a society to, to really value that or put it as a priority. So as a therapist, what would you say, Sherry, like how do people get started in that journey? And what's, what's some easy steps they can do to start walking down that road? The first step is connection with yourself, right? Like if you're always focused on everybody else, which is what a codependent is doing, we got to kind of turn the finger back at ourselves and go, what can I do to build intimacy with myself? How do I do this? And that's where the journey begins. And Carla does a lot of work with her coaching clients on self-love. But for me as a therapist, it's all about, you know, unearthing unearthing past trauma, stuff that we've been through, um, trying to get to why do we, why do we have these patterns? Why do we have these patterns? And then making a connection with yourself. Remember the opposite of addiction and codependency is addiction is connection. So find that connection with yourself. Okay. Let's talk about toxic relationships because they're horrible, horrible. They can have this profound impact on your emotional well-being and self-esteem, and you don't deserve that. You need to get out of a toxic relationship if you are in one. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the red flags to watch out for if you are in a toxic relationship. Yes. Oh, red flags. Don't paint your red flags green. They will just <laughs> get bigger and bigger and bigger and so big that whatever the re- the tiny red flag was in the very beginning of the relationship will just be gigantic by the end. Um. So there's lots of different red flags here. I'm going to actually say the most important one, which is your gut. What does your gut say? Most people have an intuitive gut feeling that something is off, that something's not right. You might not understand how to follow it due to certain trauma, which Sherry can talk about, but 
you know, the idea is that your gut feels off. It probably is. You don't have to stick around to figure it out. Um, somebody who seems to, um, disrespect you, who doesn't seem to respect your friends or your family. And when I say disrespect you, um, calls you names, puts you down, is condescending, um, speaks poorly about you, makes jokes about you in front of people. Uh, so they're all laughing, but you feel uncomfortable, right? These are like also signs of emotional abuse. Um, somebody who says one thing, but does the other. I mean, that's so easy to say like, oh, well, of course I wouldn't, you know, I'd follow that red flag. But when you like somebody and they're really good at saying one thing, um, you know, gives you good lip service. It's like, oh, OK, fine. That's OK. They really do love me, even though they keep disappearing on Friday nights and I don't know where they are. Um, and go ahead, Sherry. About red flags. I mean, are they are they love bombing you? That's a huge one. Like when you meet them, are they giving you over the top gestures? Are they you know, I'm going to take you around the world and they're bringing sending you flowers all the time. It's just over the top. It's not it's not like slow and steady dating. It's like I want to marry you on the first date. Um, and then when you're in the relationship, things like Carla said, they're discarding you, they're devaluing you, they're criticizing you. It, become, it can become physical abuse. Uh, and like she said, name calling, calling you name, you know, verbal abuse, uh, emotional abuse, uh, and the inconsistency, the gaslighting, making you crazy, saying one thing and doing something else, going, God, did, did that, did he say, it? I mean, I'll give an example. When I was with someone that was a narcissist, I said Dollar Tree instead of Dollar Store. And I was, and he just kind of went ballistic. Such a simple little mistake. That's <laughs> gaslighting. That is gaslighting, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say Dollar Tree or, you know, whatever. So yeah, crazy making, feeling like you're going crazy. I've had a couple of those. I've had some of those too. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 There's one, I think we've talked about this on the air before, because part of it is I can't believe I found myself in this situation I was actually engaged to this guy because when he was the sweet, nice guy, he was the sweetest, nicest guy. Exactly. But then he'd say, okay, I'll pick you up Friday night, right after work. We'll do this and this. I'd get all ready. He'd call and say, oh, sorry, I'm late. I'm just, you know, I had to go out with my boss for a drink. I'm leaving now. And then an hour later, he'd call again. Oh, sorry, we're still. And then, you know, by 10 o'clock, I'm back in my pajamas. And this was consistent. And I was like, how did I get taken in like this? Like, I'm an intelligent. Because they're master manipulators. It's yeah. not involved. They know what they're doing. And then, of course, if you have traits like codependency or love addiction, you might be more vulnerable to that. That's one of the issues. Yeah. Well, I managed eventually finally, you know, to figure that one out, but you can see how easy it is for that to happen because it's like this vortex of emotion. Like you've got the, the highs and the lows and everything happening all at once oh. and you're doubting yourself. And that's the yes. addiction. We call that a trauma bond. Very important part of narcissistic abuse or toxic relationships. You're actually addicted to the high and the low. You keep waiting for that person that showed all that attention in the beginning. Like where did he or she go? that's the addiction. That's the trauma bond. Are there certain personality traits that are more prone to getting involved with a, in a toxic relationship or with a toxic person? Codependence and love addicts. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, uh, -huh. uh, the other thing too, we had on our podcast, um, this woman who had done all these, uh, this new research, really, it's like new research she was doing all on psychopaths. And uh, who is attracting these psychopaths? She's finding that these are these successful women that were coming from codependent, um, not not coming from codependent paths or, you know, family origins, that kind of thing. And what she found in her research is that if you looked at a scale of empathy, one side being extremely empathetic, the other side not being empathetic at all. When you looked at that scale right in the middle, 
the people that were attracting these psychopaths were just one tick over to empathy, like just a little bit more empathetic, not crazy empathetic, but just a little bit more. So I think that's an interesting one aside from just the love addiction and, you know, codependence. And it's important to bring that out because some of us have had maybe great childhoods and how did we end up in this relationship? So try not to blame or shame yourself. These things can happen. You don't have to have had a traumatic childhood to end up with a toxic person. Yeah, we didn't. We need to take a quick break, ladies. Um, so guys, if you're listening to this show today, great information. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to talk about more red flags to look out for while dating. And in particular, we're going to dive into narcissism. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker and our special guests, Sherry Gaba and Carla Romo. And in this segment, we're going to discuss how to recognize narcissistic behaviors and find healing after narcissistic abuse. So let's continue our conversation, ladies. And and yeah, so let's start with narcissism. Okay, so everybody I know has dated a narcissist, right? Everybody. We we all like everyone's like, I dated that. I dated a narcissist, blah, blah, blah. But in all reality, they say that only five percent of the population are true narcissists. Now, do you ladies believe that? It's actually lower. It's about one percent. Yep. Okay, was it one? I thought it was five. Was it yeah, it's, okay? Um I don't maybe there's new research out there too, but I, literally it's it's very low. Regardless. Very few are true narcissists. They, those are the ones that absolutely lack empathy. They have no idea of looking at your point of view. They have to be right. But there are many that have traits. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Just like we talked about earlier in the show about toxic relationships. These are traded narcissi- narcissistic traits versus full-blown narcissist personality. So what are those traits specifically? What are the characteristics and behaviors that are commonly associated with narcissistic individuals? However low that percent is. Well, a lot of it is a lack of empathy. I mean, they cannot, they literally, true narcissists cannot feel empathetic. So they mimic people. They mimic and watch other people to learn how to behave in society. And then they become very manipulative at that to getting their way. And and narcissists genuinely just want what's best for them. They really do not care about anyone else and they will do whatever they can to get ahead of other people. But they can look like they have empathy. That's what's interesting. They can actually, That's the manipulation, yeah. Because that they want to look good. Their whole thing in life is to look good. So they're going to present this false facade to the world. But they, but it's it's an act. That's it's just a false facade. But some of the things you want to look for if you're with to, to see if you're with a narcissist. Are you walking on eggshells all the time? Um, are they? Do you feel guilty for everything? And the reason you feel guilty is because they're always pointing the finger at you because they're always right. One thing that will really help anyone listening today is their brain is wired differently than your brain and my brain. They are wired differently. They cannot see another person's point of view. They can only see their own point of view of what they believe is right. So you, you can't really change them. They can't really change when you don't want to change them. There's no point in that. <laughs> it's codependency. <laughs> yeah, codependency. But yeah, very hard for them to change because they, how can they receive help if what they, they can't hear it? They can't, it's really kind of 
amazing when you think about it that way. But anyway, you're going to fight with them constantly. You're going to, they're going to be showing manipulating and controlling behaviors. They're going to yell and insult you. Um, there could be physical injuries, disrespect, dishonesty, devaluing. There can be betrayal. They may have a whole other slew of women or men on the side. So there's that, that piece. Um, couple of things to note. If you're losing self-care of yourself, then you might be with someone who's a narcissist or has narcissistic traits. They, and the other is boundaries, like we talked about earlier. If you try to set a boundary with them, they will not have it. They will not have it. So you are probably with someone who's a narcissist. And a lot of them are very envious too, are very competitive. Ooh, you know, jealousy. they always tend to, yeah, they always tend to undermine somebody else's um, success, you know, to maintain their own sense of superiority. Uh, yeah. Right. I, 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 I know, right. I know, I know like a true, true narcissist. I swear every single point <laughs> is this person. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, finally, my girlfriend was able to break free after 11 years trapped in this relationship, mm -hmm. 11. Yeah. And she, I'm so proud of her. Oh, yeah. so and it's her. so hard. And that's because of that trauma bond. You get addicted to the highs and the lows. You keep waiting for them to throw you another bone. Yeah, but she's done and she's That's not going great. back. I am so awesome. proud of her. Yes. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Good for her. So what are the practical strategies to move on? Like it took her 11 years, unfortunately. Yeah. It took me however many months to figure, you know, out whatever I was dealing with. But right. if somebody's listening and they're saying, okay, what do I do? What are the practical strategies? Go, go no contact if you can, and not everybody can because they have children with the narcissist. Um, but going no contact is so important and sticking to it. So not getting lured back in. Once the narcissist has contact with you again, they are back in the power dynamic and they're back in control. So you are giving them and you're giving your control away once you get back in contact. Um, another big thing would be go to therapy because there's lots of trauma around narcissistic abuse that definitely you know, it's very important to work through. Otherwise, you will continue to repeat those patterns if you don't work through it in another relationship. Um, so all of those things, Sherry, I know that you've got some really good things as well in regards to breaking. Yeah, free. I mean, basically what you said, you know, investigate the the roots of this uh, internal addiction to your toxic self, because if you're finding toxic relationships, you probably have a toxic relationship with yourself. And that can be worked out with a really great therapist, like we talked about earlier, also find a community, a tribe, find out about some of the, the trauma that you might have gone through early on. Were one of your parents a narcissist? Why do you keep attracting this type of person? And, you know, build a relationship with yourself, fall in love with yourself. Sometimes that's harder than it sounds, uh, but that's where it begins. You know, reconditioning ourselves, becoming addicted to our healthy self rather than our uh, toxic self. Are there things that people can do at home? Because uh, there are, listen, there are so many people that just won't seek therapy. They just won't for whatever reason. Um, do, first of all, let's start with that. Is there anything that you want to say to those people <laughs> that refuse to get help? Well, it's not accessible to everybody, right? It can cost a lot of money and whatnot. So um, I get that that's not you know accessible. But if you are refusing to get help and it is accessible to you, you're in denial. You're not ready. And nobody's going to... And, and to be honest, nobody is going to force you to ch make that change. You literally have to do it yourself. And you will continue to keep self-sabotaging as long as you, you know, stay in this cycle. 
And that's, that's, it's a choice. Once you become aware of it, it becomes a choice. So you are now choosing this actively to stay in this type of relationship. And it's not to victim blame. Okay. It's not okay what the narcissist is doing, but once you are aware of what is happening to you and you're making a conscious choice of staying, then that's your choice. And awareness is the first step. I mean, I want to applaud your audience today that's listening to this this episode, because this is the first step. They're maybe going to learn about it. They're going to get educated. I mean, you can't get on Instagram or any of the social media without learning about narcissistic abuse, but don't get stuck there because sometimes we get addicted to all that information. We're listening to every podcast. We're reading every book. We're watching every, looking at every post that can become an addiction in and of itself. You're almost bypassing the real work and the real work is probably finding, you know, if you can, a community or a therapist. And narcissists can be both women and men. Absolutely. Don't just assume that men are narcissists because women can be narcissists too. 100%. This is correct. I can see how it would be so much more complicated if you had children with somebody, whether the narcissist is male or female or whatever the relationship is. I can just see how hard that would be to take that first step and make that decision and acknowledge the situation because you're doing everything you can to be the best are, parent in the world. And there are things you can do today if you are co-parenting. For instance, they have something called wizard. They might have different names in different cities, but you can actually communicate through this program with the courts. Um, get your own cell phone, um, a, a cell phone with this person that's only for that person. They only have one email address that's for that person. So you're not constantly looking at your regular phone or your regular email because they're going to just bombard you. So just have that one specific email address and phone for that that person that you're co-parenting, that narcissistic co-parent. Guys, this is such a great uh, informative conversation today, but we have to take one quick last break. Um, we're going to be right back to discuss healing and moving forward after toxic relationships. To myself, Laura Bellotta, and the lovely Joan Kelly Walker. We are joined by Sherry Geba and Carla Romo. Um, we're just finishing up our talk on trauma um, and dealing with uh, toxic relationships, and we're going to continue our conversation. So we were talking about past trauma. We were talking about narcissistic behavior and recognizing what's best for us. So how? what's the link between past trauma, how does that impact our ability to form and maintain healthy relationships? 
So remember, if you grew up with parents that were emotionally unavailable or physically unavailable, or they there was a divorce, or there was alcoholism, or there was addiction or abandonment, that is what you're going to attract. We attract what we know. So the first step is to work with that trauma and work with a trauma therapist, not just any therapist, someone that actually understands how to uh, deal with those early trauma uh, issues that you grew up with in your family of origin. Otherwise, you're going to keep repeating the same pattern of being attracted to the same type of person because we attract what we know. So I think that was what you asked me, right? Mm. About trauma? Absolutely. Well, it's past trauma carrying forward, but a lot of people don't even realize, like maybe they had a great childhood. Maybe they had a good relationship with their parents. You know, maybe it's trauma that goes completely unrecognized. I think there's, you know, there's a little little section in there that's really hard to identify. So I'm going to say this as well. I've worked with clients who had really healthy childhoods and actually ended up having trauma in their relationships. And so, um, you know, maybe there were certain things that, and anybody is susceptible to a narcissist. Okay. Like I have to really put that out there. Sure. There's certain people who are more susceptible than others, but anybody can fall victim to a narcissist. And so, you know, I think what's important here is to recognize as well that trauma can also happen in past relationships or in relationships, and you didn't have any connection to your childhood. Now, more times than not, a lot of trauma is linked to childhood and and why we're in these dysfunctional, toxic relationships. But I think the other thing as well is that, you know, if you don't work through the trauma that you're aware of, you'll keep repeating it. And sometimes our body protects us, our brain protects us, and we don't even realize that the trauma is happening. We just had a guest on our podcast, the Love Fix podcast, and she was saying that, you know, she's she's a healer, she's an expert, you know, she's world known. And she said that, you know, recently she just had this thing come up, uh, this memory come up, this traumatic experience, and it had been suppressed for years. So, you know, it's not your fault if you're like, why can't I move forward from this trauma or why can't I remember everything or whatever? Our body literally does not let us have certain memories to protect ourselves too. You know, and I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yep. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, Oh no. I was just going to talk about how important it is to love yourself. Um, because when you do love yourself, you have these strong boundaries And then you're more likely to recognize and avoid toxic partners and relationships. Um, Yeah. So because I think you said something earlier and I I had that in my head. So I wanted to put that out there. So when you do like yourself, again, you have strong boundaries and then you're able to recognize um, when somebody is toxic, even if you fall victim to a narcissist, right? So that's the difference between Joan, like yourself, when you were dating that guy, and you're like, okay, that only lasted a few months, because you're just like, hey, hold on here, you know, put on the brakes, like, I know who I am, I'm not accepting this crap, right? Whereas my friend that went through that, it took her 11 years, because she didn't have those strong boundaries, you know, she wasn't in a great place. Um, she, where she, she really truly loved herself. Bond. She might have yes. been a very severe trauma bond. Where he was, but I, I myself, like I've been in toxic relationships, but I'm able to put a stop to them rather quickly because I do know who I who I am, and I do yes. value and love myself. And it's like I'm not putting up with that. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Hi. <laughs> We always say it like shortens the time, you know, like 
like it shortens the time you you're really only responsible for yourself. You could get into a relationship, think somebody's great. And then all of a sudden, boom, the red flags come out. And this could happen in marriages. Like people don't talk about that enough. They only talk about the red flags. Thank the you. Yes. Thank you. Because you know, people I change. I, when people tell me, oh, yeah, we're getting married and they met three weeks ago or we're moving in. They met a month ago. I'm thinking, oh, no, don't. <laughs> Please take your time. You don't know a person. You don't. And the red flags don't normally appear right away. It takes a little bit of time. So I really feel like thank you for stay, stating that people should take their time when getting you know, into relationships or we moving. interviewed someone married 20 years and suddenly it popped up, you know, the guy betrayed her and she realized she was with a narcissist, a covert narcissist, which is sort of under the radar, but yeah, she had no idea. Um, and that's why, you know, again, no shame, no blame. I mean, we find these things out when we find these things out, uh, the more knowledge you have, the more therapy you've done, you're going to probably find these things out faster. But, but if you don't, it's okay. It's not your fault. They're very good at manipulating and they're very good at pulling you into a trauma bond. And those are very hard to get out of. And Carla, I want to circle back to something that you had mentioned before about suppressed memories. How do we access suppressed memories? I actually think Sherry do would be, you? yeah, I was going to say Sherry would be a great one for this, but you can't access suppressed memories. And sometimes it's actually not safe to, um, because you're not ready to deal with the trauma yet. So actually, if you ever have a professional who is pushing you in a direction and who's telling you that you need to go through, um, this and keep going further and further and further, and you're not ready, that can actually be really dangerous, which I think Sherry actually has experience professionally with that. Yeah. We actually know now that you don't have to go over every single detail. You don't even have to remember, but your body does. So when you're sitting with a therapist like myself, who does somatic experiencing work, we're trying to find out where's the energy in your body when you, when you think about that incident, you know, when you think about that person that might've abused you or that parent that yelled at you or physically abused you, where do you notice that in your body? Let's move that energy out, but we don't have to go through every, every detail. We, we know now that that can be like Carla says, not always healthy. Um, and we disassociate when you've been through trauma, you either go through a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. You don't even, it, it's like you're you're like a deer in the headlights, but your body still remembers. So like if any of you were going to think about a toxic relationship you've been in or something that's happened to you, some kind of rupture in your life, where do you notice it in your body? And you slowly titrate and try to find where it is and allow it to move out. And that's really how trauma therapy works. Ladies, what advice do you have for someone who wants to end an abusive relationship, like I'm done, I think I'm done, I just want to go, but I can't seem to go, I, I don't know what to do. What, what advice do you have for them? Number one is, it's extremely courageous of you. So just acknowledging the fact that like you are taking this step forward for yourself, um, get a support system. You probably do not have a support system that's very strong right now, whether that's a therapist, a friend, 12-step program, whatever it might be that uh, you can have somebody there for you. Um, you only need like one or two people. It doesn't have to be, you know, a whole army of people, a whole community yet. Um, but telling people what's going on and then finding a way to exit is very important. 
um, because that's actually statistically speaking the most dangerous time to leave as an abusive relationship um, because the abuser can come back. And if there's violence and domestic violence going on in the abusive relationship, then it can be very dangerous. So sticking to a plan um, in order to leave the abusive um, relationship is also really important. Ladies, what a fantastic show. Um, remember recognizing these patterns and seeking healing is the first step towards building healthier relationships. Ladies, where can people get a hold of you if they'd like to work with you, learn more about you and all that? Head to the Love Fix podcast on Instagram. You can guys, you guys can follow us there and really just go to our website, thelovefix.com. We have an awesome free quiz. It's Are My Relationships Healthy? Uh, where you can get a workbook. It's a quiz. Um, just for you. It's all free. It's provided there. And then if you're interested in being part of our community, you can join our uh, Love Fix uh, group coaching waitlist right now that we have going on. And that's all found at thelovefix.com. I love it. And Joan or Sherry, did you want to say something? No, no, that was exactly right. Okay. And Joan, where can people get a hold of you? Well, I'm going to follow the Love Fix right as soon as we're done this call. Uh, but people can find me on my website at joankellywalker.com or on Instagram, Joan Kelly Walker Official. And you can find me on TikTok and Instagram, Official Laura Bellotta. Also, my website, singleinthecity.ca, if you are looking for love or need any sort of help finding love or some coaching and all that. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show. Until next week, ciao for now. 